0: Thank you, Olivia, for getting us started this morning. Uh, if you've been playing for us periodically over the last few years, we can your talents are growing. Praise be to God. We at First Church would like to welcome you, our visitors and those listening on the radio, to our worship service. We are blessed that you are with us this morning and hope that you feel Jesus' love and are uplifted. There are many things happening at First Church. Please look over the bulletin for items that you may want to participate in. A few items to highlight. Uh, Today is Reformation Sunday. Next week is All Saints Sunday, and we will be celebrating communion together next Sunday as well. This Thursday is Trunk or Treat in the parking lot. Bring your lawn chair and candy for the kids and join us from 6 until 7.30. We're looking for four people who are gifted at cooking turkeys. It's Thanksgiving, I think, for the church Thanksgiving dinner on November 20th. If you uh, please see Pastor Joel or call the office. Pastor Joel, if you uh, share an update on the heating system with us.
1: Good morning. just want to take a moment and just say thank you and celebrate uh, for a moment here. If you turn in your bulletins to uh, later on the announcements in the life of the church, uh, you see what has been in there pretty much since the spring, the heating system fundraiser update. Uh, every week, this, these numbers have been updated. Connie's been doing a wonderful job of keeping us posted about what the total cost of the project has been, how much we've already received, and, and all those details have been there. I want to draw your attention to the very last item on that list now. This is something new this week that we haven't had in there before, that 100% of the project is now fully funded with gifts we've already received and, received and pledges that have been made to the church. Um, praise God for that. That is an amazing thing. That's right. And so as a little bit of a celebration, as a little bit of a thank you to you and your faithfulness and your generosity, uh, we have some balloons over there. You see our thermometer over at the Info Center is fully red up there. Um, there's even some cookies over there as well. So after the service today, not now, but after the service today, I invite you to just stop over there, grab a cookie, just... Celebrate with us, uh, in just this, I know this is just a little way, but celebrate with us as we celebrate God's faithfulness and His provision in this heating system project. Um, it's just an amazing thing. With that in mind, I do want to just encourage you, if you have made pledges, of course, we, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, hope that you continue to fulfill that pledge because we are still relying on those pledges to, to fund the, the system. Um, also, if you have not pledged and are still looking to give, there is still work that needs to be done. The total cost there is just the cost of of removing the old heating system and installing the new one. And if you've been around the church, you see there are holes that need to be patched. There's paint that needs to be applied. There's carpet that needs to be fixed. There's There are definitely some marks from the last system that are still visible in the church. And so any money that is given to the project or given to the building fund above and beyond what we need to pay the final bill for the heating system will go to cover the cost of, those, of the patchwork and, and the painting and stuff that needs to be done. So there is still definitely a need. And I want to encourage you to continue to give as you uh, as you feel led and as God has enabled you to give. Um, And any money that is given from here on out will, of course, go to cover the the final bill of the system, but also the work that needs to be done to to get the church kind of back in shape after this pretty massive project. So once again, thank you. Thank praise be to God, of course, first and foremost. and, And thank you for your generosity in this project. We are blessed. Truly, we are blessed. Please rise
0: for the call to worship. The call to worship is taken from Luke 6, verses 27 through 36. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. As someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love, if you, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is it? And now let us sing our praise song, Praise a Hallelujah.
2: There's a trunk and treat coming up. What is that? Trick or treat, just in the trunk. In the trunk? Oh, what do you get? Candy. <gasps> Candy? And they still have you go to school on Friday? Yes. Poor teachers. What are you gonna dress up like? Uh, I'm dressing up as Ariel. Oh, as Ariel. I'm Oh, my gosh. Oh, what should I dress up like? Who should I dress up like? Huh? I'll dress up like a grandma. How's that work? That works. So so how does this work? You go from trunk to trunk, and, and they just give you candy for nothing? Free? How's that work? You just get it free? Whoa. You don't have to give them any money. They just give it to you yeah. and send you home to your parents? There's something wrong with that. Huh? Oh, you give them? A, oh, you give your folks candy? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you know, somebody paid for that candy. Who paid for it? People did, didn't they? Yeah, so you have to make sure you tell them, thank you. But you know, God gave us something for free. Much better than that candy. What did he give us for free? In Romans 6.23, it says, The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life for free. Do we have to pay for it? No, we don't have to pay for it. But just like the candy, somebody had to pay for that eternal life for us. Who did that? Jesus did. That is right. He died on the cross, and he paid the price for our eternal life. And that's a lot better than candy, isn't it? So when you think about what you're getting free, remember, eternal life is free because God loved us so much. He gave us his only son that we could go to heaven, spend time with God. Let's say a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he paid the price for all of our sins, that we could be forgiven and receive the gift of eternal life in heaven. We pray in his holy name. Amen. Now, there's a basket down there, and there's I think there might be a free treat in there.
3: Lost in our service in the last week, West Point Cadet Cade Curita, 20, from Gardena, California, in South Korea. Staff Sergeant Nicholas M. Scalzo, 28, from Selma, Oregon. Fort Stewart, Georgia. Sergeant First Class Brian Jenkins, 41, from Gainesville, Florida. Corporal Thomas Walker, 22, from Conneaut, Ohio. Private First Class Antonio Garcia, 21 from Peoria, Arizona, at 29 Palms, California, Private First Class Menachem M. Goldblum, 24, from Chicago, Illinois, and at Bridgeport, California, Private First Class Christian Bautista, 21, from Cicero, Illinois.
1: Let's go to the Lord in prayer together this morning, Lord God, we come before you right now and we give you thanks and praise uh, first and foremost Lord for your the free gift of eternal life that you have given to us thank you Lord that message that Carolyn shared with the children this morning is is so important because it is a message we all need to hear the free gift of God is is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord thank you and we thank you Lord for that thank you Jesus for dying on the cross for us thank you father for for making us your children, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have come to, to reside in us, to dwell in us, so that we can know that we are in fact your children. And so we, we praise you this morning, first and foremost, for that grace and that love and that mercy that you extend to each one of us through Christ and his death and his resurrection. We also thank and praise you, Lord, this morning for your provision for us. We thank you that, uh, specifically, Lord, with this heating system that we have we have now reached our uh, 100% of our goal in fundraising we thank you for the generosity of the the people here in this in these pews and in our community lord who have supported us in this project and and ultimately lord we know that every good and perfect gift is from you and so we thank you that you have provided for us through the generosity of your people and i praise you lord and ask for your continued provision as we complete this project and move forward with the other repairs and, and work that needs to be done. We ask for your continued provision for us in those matters. Lord, we lift, up, um, we lift up our church to you. We pray that you would guide us and direct us. We thank you that we can gather here in this place to praise your name and worship you this morning. Thank you for Uh, for the, the musicians for, and and the choir for leading us in worship in this way, Lord, and, and we ask for our hearts and our minds to be focused on you and you alone this day. I ask, Lord, that you be with us in our, in our needs as well. Uh, you know, Lord, what it is that is on our hearts and our minds. Uh, you know those, Lord, that are in need of healing. Uh, physically and so we pray for for that for for anyone here in this room or those listening on the radio lord that that are in need of healing we ask for your hand to be upon them lord we ask for those that are in need of uh your provision and your presence lord in other ways uh lord you know our needs you know what it is we need and even as we cry out to you we ask that your will be done and our needs will be met first and foremost lord in you And I ask, Lord, that that as we lift up this prayer, that you would enable and equip us to be the answer to that prayer. Lord, as we are able to meet the needs of those around us, I pray that you would bless us and, and equip us, Lord, to do so. We pray these things in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. At this time, I invite you, if you're able, to stand and, and sing with us number 198, The Wonderful Grace of Jesus. be seated. Our offering this morning is going to support uh, Wayne Lunsford, who works with Wycliffe Bible translations, uh, translators, uh, doing a very important work, uh, translating uh, God's word into languages and and dialects that currently do not have a translation of the written word of God. So wonderful work that is being done there. Let's pray for him and for all of uh, Wycliffe as they do that work together. Lord God, I thank you that we have a chance to bless uh, Wayne and, and Wycliffe Bible Translators with this offering this morning. We ask that that you would use this money to provide, Lord, uh, for him and for this ministry, so that your word may go out into all the world. Uh, we pray for those, Lord, who currently don't have a translation of your word in their native language. We ask, Lord, that they would be uh, strengthened by the ministry of this of this uh, of Wycliffe, Lord, and that you would. Um, that your word would go forth in power and and your gospel message would be heard, Lord, in all people groups and all nations and all tribes and all tongues and that you would be praised forever and ever. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. By those who are helping with the offering to come forward at this time.
4: If you are able, please remain standing for the reading of the scripture. If you'd like to follow along in your hymnals or in your few Bibles, we will be reading from page 1230. 1 John 3, verses 11 through 24. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer And this is his command: to believe in the name of his Son Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands in him, and he in them, and this is how we know that he loves, that he lives in us. We know by the Spirit he gave us.
1: Thanks, Sharon. Be seated. Father God, I thank you for the reading of your word, and and Lord, uh, that you have given it to us so that we may know you and that we may uh, learn what it means to live for you. As we take a look this morning about what it means to truly love one another as you have loved us, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds, uh, and I pray that you would give me words to speak that honor and glorify you. We pray this in Christ's name, Amen. Throughout this letter to First of First John, we've seen the importance of love, and, uh, and and that goes in two directions: our love for God and our love for others. Uh, this this whole letter is really just a, an explanation of what that looks like for us and why that is such an important thing. We've been talking about how our love for God is what connects us. To each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and it's and it's our love for him and his his love living in us that is meant to overflow and and extend to others as we learn to live and reflect God's love in this world. In fact John's already mentioned and brought this very topic up here and all the way back in chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. He writes there anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. So you see, John has already brought this up and what he's doing here in chapter three is, is kind of diving in a little bit deeper and giving us a, uh, and explaining to us what it means to then truly love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's love that 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 is meant to emulate and reflect the love of Christ in us. He says here in verse 11 that it is not a new command. Right, This call to love one another is not just a, a New Testament thing. It's something that has gone all the way back to the beginning of Scriptures, all the way back as far as Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, is where we see, where, where we see the command to love your neighbor as yourself. It's actually that passage that Jesus is quoting in the New Testament when he says uh, that the two greatest things for us to do are to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So when Jesus is emphasizing our love for each other, it's, he's going back to what God has established for us in the beginning, and that is our call to love our neighbor. So John here uh, kind of develops and talks about the importance of that. And the reason why love is so important is because love is, in a sense, like the, like, the, like the lifeblood, the circulatory system of the body of Christ. You know, we are called as one in Christ. We are the, we're the family of God. We're the body of Christ. And a good, healthy body can't function without good circulation, right? Without the love of God operating in and through us. If we want to be a healthy church, if we want Christ's body to be healthy in the world today, we need we need a couple things. We need a good diet of God's Word, and we need good exercise, which is putting God's Word into practice. In other words, loving our neighbor as ourselves. When we learn to do those two things you know, feed on God's word and, and, and exercise our love for each other, it will create a healthy church for us to live in, to, to make an impact for God's kingdom in this world and, and in this New Knoxville community. And it's important here also to note that, that when we talk about loving one another, there's that, that is a very profound statement. You know, when we talk about loving one another, it's, there's a difference between liking someone and loving someone, isn't there? We're not going to like everyone we meet, are we? We're going to have people that rub us the wrong way, that we just don't see eye to eye with. And there's people that we are just not going to like, and I'm sorry to break the news to you, probably aren't going to like you either. Right? That's the world that we live in. That is, that is the reality of, of living with and interacting with other people. We're not always going to like each other, but we're called to love each other, even when we don't like each other. You see liking someone is, is really about our personal preferences whether we see eye to eye on certain things whether we agree politically or socially or whether we you know are involved in the same sort of hobbies or interests right liking one another uh, kind of falls into those sort of categories you know what do we have in common whether we, our personalities mesh but love the kind of love that John describes here the kind of love that we see described or excuse me uh, that we see in the life of Jesus it is, is goes well beyond whether we just like someone. The call to love is, is really, uh, you know, it's about obedience to Christ and his word. And so we can love someone even if we don't necessarily like someone. And the reverse is also true. We can love people that don't like us as well. In our connected Bible study that, that many of you are a part of, in and, and week two it talked about the importance of unity in the church. Unity is a given in Christ. Right, He has made us one. We are one family. We are one household. We are one body because of our re- unique relationship with him. But we, it takes work to maintain that unity, doesn't it? It takes work to, to, to truly love one another as Christ has loved us. And, and loving other people is not always an easy thing to do. And so we need to be intentional. We need to choose to love one another. And, and we'll find that as we do so, as we learn to love one another, that Christ will unite us like never before. We'll truly be one in Christ when we learn to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love one another as he has loved us. So John goes on in the rest of chapter 3 to explain what this love looks like. And there's a few things I want us to take note of here. And then he closes by telling us about the confidence and assurance that we can have as we learn to love one another. And so the first thing we learn here in verses 12 through 15 is that love, we are called to love even when we are hated ourselves. He uses the illustration of Cain and Abel to demonstrate this point for us. And that story is found all the way back in Genesis 4. Right? We're, 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 many of you are familiar with the story, Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve's children. Right? They, they each offer a sacrifice to the Lord. And Abel's sacrifice is received by the Lord and Cain's sacrifice is rejected. Now the interesting thing about that story is it doesn't explain why. Right? There is no explanation we are given as to why the Lord receives Abel's sacrifice and why he rejects Cain's. There's no, no explanation there because the point of the story isn't about the sacrifices. The point of the story there is about their response to that situation. And so as Cain's sacrifice is rejected, there is a, there is a bitterness and hate and jealousy that builds up in his heart. And then he, uh, and so he is motivated then to act out of that toward, with violence towards his brother. And in fact, before he commits murder, God, uh, God confronts Cain. And he tells him, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? This is Genesis 4, verse 7. He says, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. See, so this is a moment where God reaches out to Cain and says, look, I know you're tempted. I know you want to do violence. I know you want to act out of your hate, right? But, but you have an opportunity here. Sin desires to rule over you, but you have an opportunity to, to reject it. Don't open the door to sin and allow that to have power in, in your life. But as the story goes, we know that Cain does allow that sin and that, that, that hate to rule. And so he does, in one day, out in the field, murder his brother Abel. He acts out of his jealousy and his anger and his hate, and, and he kills Abel, and, and, and God then confronts him about that. In verse 9, he says, The Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? See, the point of the story and the reason why John brings this up is because it it shows us that we have a responsibility to one another, to love one another even when we don't see eye to eye about certain things. Cain's question, am I my brother's keeper? The answer to that, the rhetorical answer to that is, yes, we are our brother's keeper. We have a responsibility to one to another, to, to love and not to hate, to show compassion and not apathy so we are, all are called to love even when we don't see eye to eye on certain things. We have a responsibility to care for those around us. The other reason that John brings up the story of Cain and Abel is to remind us as well that even as we attempt to live righteously in this world, even as we strive to live for Christ and have a positive you know, influence by loving those around us, there are going to be times when we are rejected when we are put down, when we are despised because of our commitment to Christ. Just as Cain despised Abel's righteousness, just as Jesus himself was rejected, so too will Christians be rejected by the world. In John 15, verse 8, Jesus tells his disciples, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Right? One of, the, one of the biggest lies, one of the biggest manipulations of the gospel is to tell people that if you just give your life to Christ and everything will be fine from here on out, right? Give your life to Christ and he will bless you with material possessions and wealth, right? Give your life to Christ and you'll never experience hardship or difficulty or pain again, right? That is not what Scripture teaches us. Scripture teaches us that if you follow Christ, it means that we must deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. It means that we will be rejected in ways like Christ himself was rejected, and if you think about it, like we worship a God who who was rejected and crucified, right? Why should we expect any different? The world rejected him and, and so at times it will reject us as well. but you know what? we should love them anyway. we should still love them, even as the world rejects us even as even as even as we experience the ridicule and hate of, of those in the world around us, we are called to love them anyway. Our love should not be conditioned upon the response we get, and it should be more inclusive than the love of the world around us. I invite you, if you have your Bibles, to flip over to Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 40, beginning of verse 43. This is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount about the importance of loving our enemies. He says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Right? If we just love people because they love us back, that's not really taking much effort, is it? If we just love people because of something that we'll get out of it, that's pretty selfish. Instead, we're called to love as Christ loved us, which means giving of ourselves. It means laying down our life without expecting anything in return. Not because of what we get out of it, but because that's what Christ has done for us. Jesus loved us even when we rejected Him and we rebelled against Him. Romans 5 reminds us that God demonstrated His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we did nothing to deserve it, Christ showed love to us. Even as we rejected and despised Him, He laid down His life for us. That's the kind of love that He calls us to have in our lives. And so we can't allow hate or even indifference and apathy to fester in our heart. Also in Matthew 5, Jesus reminds us that even as we hate our brother and sister, it's like we are committing murder in our hearts. Because sin is not just about the act itself, but also the motivation behind that act. And so if we if we hate someone, if we if we wish ill on them, it's just that we are just as guilty as if we had murdered them ourselves. Because our heart and the place of our heart matters. You see, I believe that God will, God will forgive us. He'll bear with us in our shortcomings and our failures if our motivation is in the right spot. None of us are perfect, and we're all going to fall short. But, God, but if we're striving to please God, if we're striving to love Him and love others, God will bear with us in that, and He will, he will work in our hearts in our, in, our, in our lives to make us more like Him through, the, through those opportunities. And in the same way, we can do all of the right things in the world. We can be as righteous as we can possibly be in an external way and if our heart's not in the right spot, God wants nothing to do with that. We see that over and over again in the prophets in the New Testament, Jesus speaking to the religious leaders. We can do all the right things for all the wrong reasons and God will reject us because of it. So first, we must learn to love in response to hate. Second, we must also see that our love requires sacrifice. We see that in verses 16 through 18. See, Jesus is the perfect example of love and action. And how did he love us? He laid down his life for us. He sacrificed himself for our benefit and for our gain. And so we know what this love is like because we ourselves have been direct recipients of it. We can love others like Christ loved us because we ourselves have experienced that love and have experienced that, that forgiveness and that grace and mercy in our lives. And so we, we can't keep that to ourselves, right? We can't hoard that for ourselves. We need to share that with others in every opportunity we get. And if we're going to love like Jesus, we must learn that love will cost us something. Love is not free of charge. In one's, no, that is not a right way to put it. Love, love will cost us something by our actions, through our commitment to one another. When we put others' needs ahead of our own, it means that we are willingly putting ourselves in the back seat, right? And that will cost us something. It'll cost us time. It'll cost us our resources. It'll cost us our energy because loving people, as I already said, isn't an easy thing to do. It'll even cost us our freedom because we must be willing to put our preferences and our needs behind those that we're trying to love. Looking forward, looking to the interests and needs of others instead. And so love requires sacrifice. It involves laying down our lives, laying down our priorities for the sake of others. And it's important here to note that we must learn to love not just in general, but specific people in specific circumstances. I heard someone, a pastor say once that, that, that the claim that we love everybody is, is sometimes used as an excuse to not love anybody in particular. Right? If we just say, yeah, well, I love everybody, I love all people, but never actually prove that by loving someone in particular, we're missing the point. Yes, we're called to love everybody as Christ loved us, but, but if we're not living that out in specific actions with specific people, then we're truly not loving as Christ loved us. And so we get this, uh, Jan- John brings up an example that is very similar to what we find in James chapter 2, and I want to I read that for you this morning. James chapter 2, Verses 14 through 17, James writes, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith and has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing to meet their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accomp- if not accompanied by action, is dead. Those are pretty strong words. In other words, if we claim that we love as Christ loved us, but don't actually do it, don't actually show that love to others, we're missing the point. Our faith is useless and dead. And so we must put our faith into practice. We must show our love to those around us by meeting their needs. And, and sometimes that'll be physical material needs, right? Sometimes we, opportunities will present themselves before us that we can literally meet the needs of others. We can literally be the answer to prayer for someone, and when we refuse to do that, we're missing the point. We're 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 missing out on, on not only being able to bless them, but we're missing out on the opportunity to love as Christ has loved us. Back in First John chapter three, uh, he says that that we are called not only to love in words and speech, but also in action and truth. See, our our words matter, but if they're void, but are void if not backed up by our actions. Right? How do you know someone truly loves you if they just say it or if they prove it to you through their actions? That's how you know someone truly loves you. Saying I love you is a good thing, right? But if, if it's not supported by, the, by an attitude and action, then, then it's not really there. See, how, how, and how can our actions be True. Right by emulating the one who is the truth. Jesus himself is the truth. And so the more our lives and our actions, our words and our thoughts reflect the life of Christ, the more true they will be. Again, in our Connected Study in week three, we talk about spiritual growth, and it says there that the mark of spiritual growth is is how much our lives reflect the life of Christ. Do our thoughts, do our words, do our actions, do they look like Jesus? Can people see Jesus living in me? If the answer is no, then we're not very spiritually mature, right? We're not growing in our faith. But the more and more we're able to reflect the love of Christ in us, the more spiritually mature, the more we will be able to grow and be more like him. We grow in our relationship with the Lord when we learn to live and love like him. John then closes out chapter 3 by giving us some reassurance here. We're called the to love even in response to hate. We're called to love like Jesus did by, by sacrificing ourselves and, and putting our love into action. And then he tells us that we can have confidence in him uh, even when our hearts don't always agree with us. Right? We can have confidence. And he uses prayer here as an example before God even when our hearts tell us otherwise. See, our hearts aren't always trustworthy. How many of you have ever questioned or doubted your place in God's family. That little voice in the back of your head that says you're not good enough. You, you, I can't believe how many mistakes you've made in the past, right? You've done that same mistake over and over and over again. God can't possibly love you. You see, our hearts condemn us. They are, Jeremiah seventeen nine says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? See, we're all going to have those doubts. We're all going to go through moments where, where we doubt ourselves and we doubt God's love for us or we doubt our love for God or for others. And John here reminds us that even as our hearts condemn us, we can have confidence in God because his word is more powerful and is more true than our hearts. We need to re- rest in the promises of God even as we maybe doubt ourselves. Hebrews ten nineteen, and that's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, by the blood of jesus not by your good works not by by your status as a member of a certain church but by the blood of jesus by his sacrifice his death is what earned us a place and earned us the confidence to enter the most holy place and in john chapter 20 verse 31 uh the apostle john says these are written he's talking about why he wrote down the stories in the life of jesus why he communicated his gospel to us. He says, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Again, it's about our trust in the Lord. It's about believing in who he is and and, and, and uh, that relationship that we can have with him. We're going to talk more about prayer, so I want to come back to that. I, I'm going to just, just leave that uh, kind of hanging <laughs> there because in a couple weeks we're going to come back and talk more in depth about prayer. But know that that our prayer, again, our prayer life is not based on our actions or our obedience, but it's based on the promises of God and his word. Psalm 37, 4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, as we learn to love God and love others, like described here in this passage, we'll find that our prayer life will change because we won't be asking for the same old things anymore. But we'll be asking for that, those things that line up with God's will because he will be transforming our heart from the inside out. And finally, we, give, we have this promise, we have this assurance that, that we are God's children, that, that our love for him and his love for us is real because he's given us his spirit. God gives us the Holy Spirit to assure us that we are, in fact, children of God. And it's by his spirit and it's through his spirit working in us that we can truly love, as John describes here in this passage. So not only does God's spirit assure us and remind us that we are in fact his children, but it's his spirit working in us that enables us to truly love like Jesus loved us. I want to close by reading Ephesians chapter 1 to you this morning. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14. Paul writes, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Notice there what this passage is saying, right? It's, it's as we believe in him, as we put our trust in him, he marks us with a seal, the promised Holy spirit, God's spirit living in you is a, is a, is a promise is the, is the inheritance that we have as God's children, his spirit living in you and, 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 conf- and, and Reassuring your heart is what counts. Um, And it is his presence in your heart, in your life, that you can have, it's it's confidence in his word and it's his spirit present in you that will enable you to love like Jesus loves us. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word, which is greater than our feelings and and, and the thoughts that go through our head. Lord, we, we ask for your forgiveness when we doubt ourselves, when we don't love like you have called us to love. But Lord, we rest assured in the promises of your word that your grace is greater than our sin, that your spirit living in us will enable us and equip us to love like you from this day forward. We ask that you would do that work in us. And it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's stand and in closing, sing number 201, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. God's grace truly is greater than our sin. I invite you to trust in that and receive that for yourself this day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious towards you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. You may go in peace.